Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus. Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Frio. Let's talk about death. Puritan style. Gotta love those Puritans. Do not seek to get high ideas of yourself. Seek to get a low opinion of yourself. Easy it is for God, when he pleases, to cast his enemies down to hell. My confessions of wrong are so many aggravations of sin. I need to repent of my repentance. Shh, shh, shh. The organ is still playing. Shh. That's done. This is Wretched Radio. Do you, like an unbeliever, have a fear of death that ought not to be the way for the Christian? And yet, let's be honest, sometimes it appears that Hebrews applies to us, that we have a sense of impending doom that shouldn't exist in the heart of the believer. We're not doomed. We're not condemned. We're not going to hell. There should be nothing to fear about death. Now, please note, I understand you don't need to click your heels about the process of dying. I get that. It would be absolutely weird to not be aware and thinking about what this death passage might look like for me. Is it going to be painful? Well, I'm not excited about that. Is it going to be prolonged? Will I lose my memory? Those are not exciting forecasts. But the issue of actually breathing our last should not cause us consternation. There is a way to get over your fear of death, and we're going to let a dead guy help us. That's right, to the rescue when it comes to the subject of fearing death. Nicholas Byfield, he's a Puritan. You've probably not heard of him. He is not all that. I'd never heard of him. I'm writing a book, and I wanted to get a Puritan perspective on death. So I ordered this. Jimmy, you'll be pleased to know I actually I actually downloaded it. Ah, you was figured. able to read it all by myself. I did not need a teenager involved. I did it all by myself. But But how long did it take? You know, do you have to wreck everything? <laughs> Sorry. I was having a moment where at least I accomplished the task. <laughs> I have no idea what I did to get it there. But my little, my, I don't want to get all technical here on you, but my little thing on the bottom right-hand side started to bounce. And so when I clicked on it, it was just there. And I was thrilled to pieces to read it. Why? Because it had lists. And I do like lists. They can be very helpful to organize our thoughts and to feel the weight of a multitude of smacks because that's what this is going to feel like perhaps. This is part of Nicholas Byfield's presentation on overcoming your fear of death. And it starts like only the Puritans can with a rather direct rebuke of how wrong it is for Christians to fear death, prepare for a wee bit of a smackdown. And this is what Nicholas Byfield said. Number one, I told you it was a list. 
By the fear of death, we shame our religion. Oof. Oof. Bob, the writer of Hebrews, is correct in identifying that we are all haunted by death. We do indeed have a stalker. It is death. And incidentally, even though you were toady potent at conception, it's not the first day you were born that you began to die. It, it's really a conception. Even though you're growing like nobody's business, you're just a smaller version of you. Everything was there. The march toward death began, and the unbeliever feels it. And he doesn't just mm, have a distaste for the process. He actually fears dying. And that's why I think you see all these billionaire globalists working so hard on transhumanism. They don't want to die. Why did Panza de Leon search for a fountain of youth? He didn't want to die. And that just proves that Bob was right. Pagans have a fear of death. Christians should not. And when we do, it shames our religion. Why? Because this is kind of a biggie, isn't it? I mean, Christianity, yeah, it helps you through life. That is a byproduct of the gospel. But the gospel is forgiveness of sins, everlasting life through Jesus Christ. So when we don't have that view, we can have a tendency to fear death. And that preaches to the world, uh, I'm not so certain about this. It hasn't so overtaken me with the knowledge that it is not death to die, that I shame my religion. Number two, to fear death. We disable the death of Christ and obscure the evidence of our own regeneration. Number three, pagans fear death. Christians shouldn't. I thought I... I thought I wrote that, but apparently I'm plagiarizing. Not that that's a big deal these days. It's okay. At least I gave credit. <laughs> Number five, death is but a shadow. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, death is but a shadow. Are you, are you scared of shadows? Then why are you afraid of death? That's all it is. It's a mere shadow. It doesn't have the ability. Now, remember, I'm not talking about the process of dying. That, that, that has some sting, if you will, but not death, not the idea of tossing off this mortal coil to receive one day a brand new body that will last for forever. When we fear that, we actually cause the world to go, huh, I wonder if they're really a Christian. That's right. This is stinging. Number six, this is a bondage of fear when we fear death. You're in bondage. If you're terrified of dying, you're in bondage. And the good news is when we take a look at whatever our struggle is, Jesus is able to break the chains. There are people, they have besetting sins. They're enslaved to sins, alcohol, porn, whatever it is a myriad of sins, you're enslaved to it when you have a fear of death, and Jesus will break that shackle. He'll, he'll take it off of you so you do not have to be terrorized. Now, before we can get to all of the motivations for looking forward to heaven, we do need to be rebuked if and we are fearing heaven. Again, that could be another one. Maybe it is in his list. When we fear death, we're saying... 
I kind of fear heaven. That makes no sense whatsoever. None. Number seven from the dead Puritan. If we love long life, why are we not much more in love with eternal life? Where the duration is longer and the estate is happier. <laughs> That's true. I don't want to die. You're not going to in heaven. You're, you're never going to die. I want to live a long life. You're going to live so far beyond long that you won't ever think about dying because you have eternal life. Shouldn't we be actually, now I know, process versus death itself. Shouldn't we be looking forward to this? I mean, really, shouldn't we be kind of, I don't know, excited about going to heaven? Number eight, shall we be worse than children or madmen, neither of whom fear death? It's true because kids, they're invincible. They don't fear death. People who do not have all of their mental faculties functioning, they don't fear death. So if you fear death, you're acting like them, a madman or a child. Number nine, we become more absurd than the Israelites who murmured in the wilderness. We look back at them and, 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 and we see their whining and complaining when God had delivered them from Pharaoh, from the Egyptian army, part of the sea, you know. Pretty big deal. And when we fear death, we're doing the exact same thing. I'm telling you, these Puritans. Adam should have feared death, but death is ordinary for us. Is there anything more constant in this life? Number 11. Oh, I was hoping it was a top 10 list. Number 11. It is most uncomely to fear death, that which is both common and certain. And finally, number 12, shall we be afraid of an enemy who has been beaten by Christ and thousands of saints? No, millions of saints have beaten death because they were taken over that line by Jesus himself who prepared the way and has prepared the place and who will bring you safely home. Hey, Jimmy, that would be a good time for the plug Safely Home by Randy Alcorn, but it I'm not going to sneak that in because that would seem very inappropriate at the moment. But if you want a book that will actually help you focus <laughs> rightly on heaven, Safely Home by Randy Alcorn, available at wretched.org, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, remember that Jesus has got you. He's not going to let you down. Has he not carried you through this life? Has he not brought you this far? Do you think that you will be the first person that he fails? The first ball he fumbles? You're not. He defeated death. Millions of believers have, and you will too if you are in Christ. This is Wretched Radio. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MediShare, affordable, biblical health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 
400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Hey, thank you so much for being here today at Wretched Radio. If you didn't listen, we'd be doing this to... I'm not exactly sure why we'd be doing it, but by the grace of God, you are listening. You choose to tune in here every day, and for that, we are thankful. And we'd also be grateful if you would prayerfully consider joining our mission in reaching millions around the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also strive to equip people to preach the gospel and to help strengthen the local church. You can join our efforts by becoming a monthly gospel partner. Wretched will always honor your generosity with faithful stewardship and full accountability because we fully understand without you there would be no us. We would be eternally grateful if you would consider partnering with us by visiting wretched.org slash donate or by texting the word wretched to the number 44321. That's wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Permit me to introduce you to Bree and Salvation Dominoes Preborn style. When one person gets saved, they have that burning desire to just make him known the same way that was made known to them. And then it's just this domino effect. Bree currently volunteers at a preborn life center. How did she get saved? From a friend whose mother got saved at, you guessed it, a preborn life center. Why? Because preborn, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. And look at the domino effect. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. Henry VIII's act of supremacy makes the king, not the pope, head of the Church of England. While Henry's concerns were largely political, his archbishop, Thomas Cranmer, worked to mold the Anglican Church into a thoroughly Protestant church. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Death is not our enemy. This is Wretched Radio. Death has been defeated and you no longer need to live in terror of dying like wicked men. This is Wretched Radio. Nicholas Byfield, he's a fellow who knows today what he believed when he was alive. That everlasting life is just that. And the Christian does not need to be terrified of death. I didn't say we're nuts about dying. I said we're not terrified about death. (sighs) Jimmy, actually, that list that I just gave you. Yes. Yeah, it was was just a math test. Okay. Because I kind of missed a couple, didn't I? (laughs) Well, you know, I'm not judging you. (laughs) Since when? Number four on the list of why we shouldn't fear death. Wicked men die unwillingly. Shall we be like wicked men? Ooh. 
I'm telling you, these Puritan guys, they had a way of throwing a punch and making it land in a good kind of way. Let's return to Nicholas Byfield to discover how we can be cured from the fear of death. Like only the Puritans can, perhaps this will help you. He came up with 17 different ways you can overcome death. 17. Do you think that maybe, just maybe, he realized that it's better to spend a day in the house of mourning than in the house of rejoicing? That he truly pondered how to consider his days? That he understands that life is like a vapor? We're a mist. You come and you go and you do well to think about death. Really, we do, especially if you're afraid of it. You need to think it through because right now you're misinformed on the subject if you're in Christ. Now, if you're outside of Christ, (laughs) you should be horrified at the thought of dying because you are going to face your maker and you will be judged and you will be sentenced for what you have earned for yourself. Your sins will condemn you and God will usher you into the place that he has prepared for unregenerate sinners and the devil and all of his angels. You should be very afraid. But if you're in Christ, you should not be afraid. It should be a day where we don't get weird like, oh, I just want to die. I can't wait to die. It's going to be so good to die. Well, that's just a little weird, too, because like Paul, we realize it's good for us to be here, but it's better to be there. That tension should still exist, but at least it should be a tension as opposed to constant terror. How you can be cured of your fear of death. Number one, death makes an end of all the tempests and continual storms with which our life is tossed. It is the heaven and port of rest. And are we so mad as to desire the continuance of such dangerous tempests rather than to be in the heaven where our journey ends? No doubt you've got stuff going on. You see the effects of sin everywhere, don't you? As a Christian, don't you increasingly hate your sin? Done. 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 All done. Why would we fear the day that that will be ended for us? Number two, death is a sleep. Now, this is not soul sleep. It's described as sleep. And Nicholas Byfield is using that poetic language to to ask the question, do you fear sleep? Then why do you fear death? Because that's what it is. No, we don't soul sleep. We're absent from the body, present with the Lord. It is appointed unto man once to die and then judgment. So in the twinkling of an eye, we will see the Lord when we die. We don't go to sleep until he wakes us up in order to begin eternity. It's a sleep. In that, it's rest. You you don't have any troubles when you're asleep, do you? That's why so many people, when they get really depressed or they're very concerned, they just want to sleep. Why? Because it's an escape. But it is a temporal escape. Dying is an eternal escape from the worries and the woes of this day. Do you fear sleep? I can tell you, Jimmy, that's not one of my issues right there. Fear and sleep. Fear and, fear and naps. Okay, if you're a kid, you fear naps. I don't know why. Maybe because you think you're going to miss out. Yeah. But everybody crosses a line where suddenly napping, and I think it usually tends to be teenagers, is when it starts. <laughs> Number three. 
the day of death is the day of receiving wages, where God pays to every godly man his penny. And does not the hiring long for the time where he shall receive the wages of his work? And rather, should we long for this time because we shall receive wages infinitely above our work? Such wages as were never given to a man or woman, and nor ever could be? Even if we were given the entire visible world, what you're going to get when you die? <laughs> okay. Do you like going to a lawyer's office? Probably not. But what if you went there and it was there was something that needed to be communicated to you and a long lost relative, you don't even know who it was, put you in their will? <laughs> Death is like a visit to the lawyer's office. Okay, I'm sorry, that didn't exactly work out right. But my point is, you, you knowing what you're going to get shouldn't be bothered by what it's going to take to get there. Number four, in death, the servant comes to his freedom and heir of his full age. You're set free from the bondage of sin, from the fear of death, all gone. Number five, in death, the banished return and the pilgrims enter their father's house. We're exiles here. We get to go home. We get to go home where we belong because this is not where we belong. We belong to God. We are his, and we will never be truly at home until we're with him. That's what death will do for you. It is our birthday. Yes, death is our birthday, writes the Puritan. We think of death falsely if we think it is our last day, for it is indeed the beginning of an everlasting day. And is there any grievance in that? Number eight, seven, four, two. No, I'm not ready yet. Death is the funeral of our sins and vices and the resurrection of our graces. Won't you love to never sin again? Won't you be glad when those memories of the things that you've done will not haunt even as a Christian? Won't you be glad? That's what death gives you. It brings that for you. Death shall deliver us perfectly whole of all of our diseases. You weren't cured in this life. You will be in the afterlife, and that lasts a whole lot longer. Number nine, in death, the soul is delivered out of prison, for the body in this life is but a loathsome and dark prison of restraint. Ten, our bodies are galley slaves, put to hard service by the great Turk, the devil, who tyrannically and by usurpation forcibly commands hard things on us. And shall this glorious liberty of the soul be a matter of terror to us? Had we rather be in captivity still? Death brings these things. God has ordained it. And while you might not be all that excited about lying in a bed, seeing your family gather around. If you can start fitting yourself for heaven today, you will be prepared on the day that you die. If you start thinking about these things in a longing kind of way, whoa, all of the things that are going to happen for me are going to be amazing. Then being on your deathbed, it, it'll be sad. But you're going to be with those people who surround you on your bed if they're believers before you know it. 
And that'll be true for them, too, by the way. And if you're terrified at the thought of death because, well, I, I, I can't leave them, might I just suggest that you actually are a little bit confused about the doctrine of sovereignty. You don't have your wife and kids' safety. You don't. You can just be faithful. God keeps them safe. You think, well, I'm the one who brings home the paycheck in order for them to eat. No, you're faithful. God provides the paycheck and the food. It's going to take care of them. I know. It feels like, oh, they're going to be so. No, it's best for them, too, because God is that good. Number 11. It is but to put off our old clothes, dying. We're clothed with rotten, ragged, foul garments in this life. We are going to be robed like the greatest monarch. Number 12. Now for a godly man to die is but to remove him from a rotten old house. Number 13. And what does death do to God's grain but cast it into the earth for it to grow? It's going to be, you're going to be like a seed planted and you're going to grow in heaven. Death is the end of the race. It's the, it's the goal line. It's the, I made it through this marathon. Do you ever see anybody approach the end of the, the, the Boston Marathon going, oh, oh, I'm here already. No. Death is the day of our coronation. 16. 17. Consider the glory to come and all that you get. Ponder these things. Breathe these things in. Meditate on these things. And you will find yourself fearing death less and less, longing for heaven more and more. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. I know, I know, it really is a total waste of time when you try to dissect illogical and absurd remarks that liberals make in support of murdering innocent babies. But sometimes I just can't help myself. A few days ago, Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock tweeted, and I quote, As a pro-choice pastor, I'll stop there. He did spew more senseless garbage after those words, but honestly, that was plenty for me. There's no such thing as a pro-choice pastor, Reverend Warnock. If you hold the office of pastor and you support the murdering of innocent babies, you are not a pastor. At least not by God's standards. Look, go be a politician if that's what you want to be, but stop invoking and involving the name of God to try to make your sin look clean. Because it's not. Catherine Burjowski, a teacher in Ontario, Canada, recently was placed on leave because this molder of minds had the nerve, the audacity to openly question the Waterloo Region School Board. About what? It seems as though Ms. Burjowski voiced concern last week about the presence of books that celebrate medical gender transition that are available to students in school libraries. When she pointed out that the books were available to children in kindergarten, she was stopped by the school board chairman and the next day informed by HR that she was being placed on immediate leave pending an investigation for using transphobic language, a charge she categorically denies. And coincidentally, the school board has removed the video of the meeting, so we can't determine what Ms. Burchowski actually did say. But the fact does remain, children in kindergarten have zero need, reading, or hearing of adult things. And increasingly, when compassionate, common-sense teachers stand up for children, they get silenced. 
That's another fruit of this wacky, wacky world. And we do have some good news to report for the moment from Rochester, New York. It appears that pro-life advocates have been successful in preventing the opening of a new Planned Parenthood baby murder facility. The pro-life group known as Brave has been fighting against the facility and earlier this month received word that Planned Parenthood has given up and apparently moved on. In a related note... This isn't news, but rather it's just me thinking out loud. And I know I'm probably not the first person to ever wonder this, but isn't the name Planned Parenthood really just mockery? I mean, there really isn't long-term planning that actually goes into murdering a baby. That's a spur-of-the-moment decision made that lacks planning. And parenthood, that's exactly what people are trying to avoid. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Nahum, whose name means the Lord comforts, brought a message of comfort to God's people and a prophecy against Nineveh. Nineveh was a powerful city, but they were no match for God. He punished them severely for their wickedness. When you see evil or are tempted towards evil, remember that there are only two possible outcomes, repentance or destruction. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Story time! And it's a good one. This is Wretched Radio. I would like to share with you a story that is based on the truth that will alter your perspective about your Christian life, especially if you live in the West. If you live in a place where there is freedom of religion to varying degrees, even because in China, there's none at all. By the way, congratulations to Afghanistan for being the number one persecuting country in the world. They they kicked North Korea off of the throne. They're just number two now when it comes to terrorizing Christians. Afghanistan wins, but China's on the list. They go after and they're in, they do not discriminate against religions. They are just anti-religious because, well, that's what communism is. It's anti-God. And when you and I live in a Western society that allows for freedom of religion, freedom of speech, at least for the next couple of minutes, at least we've I know the sand in the hourglass seems to be getting less on top than it is on the bottom, but perhaps maybe living in this cauldron that we call the West has stewed us. That's right. This is a cooking illustration. And you might be baked. And I'd like to ladle you out of it. No, I'm not done with this, Jimmy. This is going to keep going for us. If I had a toothpick, I'd check and see what your temperature is. No, that's not how you do it. You check to see if the cake is actually done. You... Breathe in your cultural air. Now, not only does religious freedom, freedom of speech, cause us to think differently than a a society that does not have those blessings, so too does affluence. And I'm not talking about being rich, but you've heard this before, compared to the rest of the world, we are. We drive down the streets and look at all of the choices you have just to eat and fat. You can drive through it. (laughs) That's crazy. Go to a store and look at the shelves. Okay, that was a bad illustration because right now, have you noticed the shelves? Yeah, supply line. Supply line. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) 
It's nobody else's fault. Just the mysterious supply line. <laughs> I get there's challenges with that, but isn't that what leaders are supposed to deal with? At any rate, we have so many blessings that maybe just maybe our perspective on eternity has been skewed. A book that I hold in my never-before nicotine-stained fingers will adjust that perspective for you. It will actually take you out of your world into another place that is not at all like the West. And it will ju- it'll just give you a different perspective. Now, I would like to do something that has historically been deemed very bad radio, but that's never stopped us before. I want to read to you from this book called Safely Home. Would you please go there with me? Would you go to China with me? Would you go to underground house church with me? And let's just see if this doesn't cause us to go, huh, maybe I've been viewing things with a bad perspective. We're in China and our lead characters are on their way to home church. Now, please remember the American, not a believer, the Chinese man wasn't nuts about Christianity when he was a kid because his pa- his dad and his grandfather were martyred for being pastors. But now he's pastoring in China and he's going to take the American to church. Let's go with them. Li Yu led the way another two kilometers to a small church built against a huge rock. Candlelight, barely discernible behind drawn shades on the only visible window. You led the way around the far side, where Ben, the American, saw a dozen bicycles. They walked inside the house, hearing warm welcomes. It was much bigger than it appeared on the outside. To the right, where Ben expected to see stone, was a room that was entered through the mouth of a cave. The house had been built right up to it. In the candlelight, Ben could see withered green, suggesting this space had been used to store vegetables. Ben had to stoop low to make his way in. The air was musty with a moist, organic feel. Can you smell it right now? An old man with a long white chin beard edged him forward. Ben saw candlelight at the far end, then smelled and sensed in the shadows other people. His eyes searched the room. Wherever there was sufficient light, he saw smiling faces. Three men stood, reaching out their hands to him. They wore jackets and shirts and trousers, old shoes with no socks, work clothes. The old man led him to sit near a naked light bulb, which hung from a hoe leaned against the stone wall. And they began to sing a song with strange words, more like a story script than lyrics. This is what they were singing. And by the way, the details of this book, Safely Home, which we have at wretched.org, are based on actual lyrics. They're based on actual circumstances. What you are hearing is not fiction. It's fact. It's just veiled with different names and locations to keep people safe in China. Here's what they sang. From the time the early church appeared on the day of Pentecost, the followers of the Lord all willingly sacrificed themselves. Tens of thousands have sacrificed their lives that the gospel might prosper, As such, they have obtained the crown of life. Hmm. It's interesting that a lot of the songs that are recorded for us in this book of a local church underground in China is about suffering. Because that's what they know. We don't know it. I know we see a nation crumbling. 
I get it. For the most part, yeah, there's been some onerous stuff by the government, but I, I think we've made our way through that at this point. Who knows what will happen tomorrow? Nowhere near what these people go through. And so when they sing about suffering, it's real. You came to sit by Ben, squeezing him between him and another man. Ben was pressed on both sides and from behind. You, Y-U-E, whispered, This song is called to be a martyr for the Lord. It is very popular in house churches. Here's the lyrics. Those apostles who loved the Lord to the end willingly followed the Lord down the path of suffering. John was exiled to the lonely, lonely Isle of Patmos. Stephen was crushed to death with stones by the crowd. I'm singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Matthew was cut to death in Persia by the people. Mark died as his two legs were pulled apart by horses. Dr. Luke was cruelly hanged. Peter, Philip, and Simon were crucified on the cross. Bartholomew was, was skinned alive by the heathen. Thomas died in India's five horses pulled apart his body. The apostle James was beheaded by King Herod. Little James was cut up by a sharp saw. James, the brother of the Lord, was stoned to death. Judas was bound to a pillar and died by arrows. Matthias had his head cut off in Jerusalem. Paul was a martyr under Emperor Nero. That's a song at a house church in China. You feel that, don't you? And what a comfort it is to know that we come from a blood-stained faith, not just the blood of our Savior, but the blood of the martyrs. And that path that many Christians walk is not uncommon. The song had a catchy beat, but Ben found the words bizarre and frightening. He wondered how people could sing them with such enthusiasm. Another song, I'm willing to take up the cross and go forward to follow the apostles down the road of sacrifice, that tens of thousands of precious souls can be saved. I'm willing to leave all and be a martyr for the Lord. Here's the chorus. Little repetition, if you like contemporary worship. To be a martyr for the Lord, to be a martyr for the Lord. I'm willing to die gloriously for the Lord. And when the song was over, you said, house caves are wonderful. We can sing and pray as loud and as long as we want. No one can hear us. The old man whispered something to you, who in turn said to Ben, they've been praying three hours before we arrived. So the meeting must be done, right? No, just starting. Chinese believers have motto, little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. That is the end of our visit to China. The question is, will it affect us here? Unlike any book I've ever read, it altered my perspective on my expectations of being a Christian and how I react when one more annoying thing happens. It's not that I just want to go, well, they've got it worse over there, so I feel better. Nope, that's not what happens when you read the book Safely Home. Instead, you start to realize, I think I've just been thinking about the whole thing called life wrongly. I just, I do not have the eternal perspective that I should. 
Perhaps this book will help you. It is a page turner. It is gripping. It is based in truth. It is loaded with theology and apologetics and maybe just maybe safely home available at wretched.org will prepare you for eternity. This is Wretched Radio. Time. It really is a precious commodity for all of us. We have to be intentional about stewarding our time wisely. And it may be that you have determined that reading a fiction book isn't being a good steward of your time. Well, if I may, not only is reading Randy Alcorn's Safely Home worth your time, it is profoundly worth your time and effort to read. And look, don't just take my word for it. Todd says that this book will reorganize your Christian theology and literally enhance your walk. With Safely Home, not only will you find a remarkable story, but you're also going to find a thorough gospel presentation, perfect for believers and non-believers alike. So pick up your copy of Randy Alcorn's Safely home right now at the wretched store just log on to wretched.org that's wretched.org and see for yourself that reading fiction doesn't have to be a waste of time it can actually be a blessing to you wretched.org hey tomorrow club supporter this message from paul marty the director of the tomorrow clubs is just for you you know it's been more than 25 years now since my wife Cindy first brought leaders and kids together for the very first tomorrow club hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched we're grateful for all the ways you help kids in forsaken places learn to follow jesus thank you for your support of the tomorrow clubs 30 dollars a month disciples 30 kids in Eastern Europe and now in Africa, where Tomorrow Clubs anticipates they could be opening up a hundred new clubs in a year. Would you please consider becoming a Tomorrow Club supporter? Kids clubs that meet in forsaken places, they get loved on, they hear the gospel, they memorize Bible verses, and they're getting saved. To support your own Tomorrow Club, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. It's New Year's resolution time. But before you make yours, I have a different type of challenge for you. How about instead of resolving to be a better person this year, you instead commit to leaving a legacy for Christ. And one surefire way you can do just that is by becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner. Currently, Wretched Radio and TV is seen and heard on nearly 1,000 stations combined worldwide. The second season of Road Trip to Truth has just been released with season Season 3 in production, solving the God puzzle on its way to 1 million copies distributed and transformed our latest TV series highlighting biblical counseling is set to debut later this year. We're striving to reach people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and we're only able to do that with the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider joining us? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. Wretched.org slash donate. Revelation Is the Bible really God's Word, or is it just a collection of human ideas? Here are a few words the Bible uses to describe itself. Perfect, God-breathed, authoritative, without error, the Word of the living God. The Bible is God's inspired and trustworthy word to humanity, through which he makes himself known and continues to draw us to himself. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, we did this already! 
exactly this way. This is Wretched Radio. Oofta, put yourself in this woman's shoes because it is increasingly common to have to walk in them. About which shoes am I speaking? The shoes of the parent whose child says, I don't think I'm a pink anymore. I think I'm a blue. Increasingly, kids are being encouraged to swap genders like it's just change your clothes. You can be this today, that tomorrow. And more and more parents are being confronted from their kids because the schools certainly won't tell parents that they want to be different than the way that God made them. Just heard a sermon on this. The Bible is so clear. God did not mumble when it came to genders. In the beginning, he made them male and female. It was not good for man to be alone. There are two genders. We don't decide the range of genders. It's already been determined. We've just followed what God said and science. There's only two genders. There's pinks and blues. That's it. That is scientific. But in our era of anti-deism, our era of the autonomous self, I get to decide truth for me. Despite what the science says, And that is the agenda du jour. It's also the agenda of the day, which is being promulgated constantly with the kids. And this woman wrote about her story. There's really nothing Christian about it per se. It is simply how she persisted in helping her child. And it's just a vivid story to remind us little children shouldn't be making these decisions. Frankly, adults shouldn't be making these decisions. But if you're gonna, you should at least wait until maybe you've got some things sorted. The article is titled, this is from Daily Signal, What I've Learned Rescuing My Daughter from Her Transgender Fantasy. My daughter immersed herself into anime art and cosplaying. Or is it cosplaying? What is cosplaying? It's cosplaying, I think. It's Cosplay. Where, oh, wait a second. It's where they dress up as... You like, pretend to be some, like a knight or something. Or a superhero or... Now, there's another name for that, though. Um, there's I, We saw it when we were at a Kennesaw State University. They've got the, like a, the, the campus green. Hmm. And the kids, they were... It's always like damsels and knights and seems to be the way that... It, uh, LARPing. Live action role playing. Ah. All right. Now, this is one woman's story. But her daughter got into that. Just saying. Doesn't mean that every kid who LARPs or cosplays. So it must be costume play, I guess. Uh, Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think they need a hyphen in this new word. It doesn't mean that every child will become transgendered in their thinking. But it's worth noting. Oh, it says right here. It's the hobby of dressing like fantastical characters. I didn't know that anime and cosplaying can overwhelm a young mind. I didn't know that anime and cosplaying involved gender-bending themes. Huh? And that the community crosses into pedophilic and sexual themes. Uh, I didn't know that. Our kids were never into anime. Wouldn't let them if they wanted to. Jimmy? No. Do you know that about anime? I do not. I don't know much about it at all, but But, I definitely didn't know that. 
And if the kids are watching it, the parents are deceived into thinking, well, so it's kind of weird looking, but it's what the kids are into and it keeps them quiet for a bit. Uh oh, for this family turned out to be a problem. I also didn't know that the older cosplay community groomed the younger cohorts. During the same time period, my daughter went through Teen Talk, a Manitoba case, uh, Manitoba, Canada based program that says it provides, quote, youth with accurate, non judgmental information on sexuality, reproductive health, body image, substance use awareness, mental health issues of diversity and anti-violence issues through the public school. It is your call, mom and dad, where you send your children for an education, whether it's home, private school, co-op in government school, it's up to each parent. But if you are not a Christian parent who is sending your kid to a public school, who is not willing to invest time to know what's going on in there, um, you need to do that. And by the way, just a, a shout out, there are a lot of good Christians inside of government schools received an email from one of them. It was the husband whose wife is in a public school teaching science. Hey, ain't that a barrel of fun when you're a Christian? And she simply tells the kids that there are competing stories. This is a theory of evolution. It is not scientific fact. There are other approaches like creationism. So, Good on her. There are a lot of good Christians that are in the public schools, but there is so much bad that you've at least got to be involved, mom and dad. Otherwise, your kids could be led to teen talk, a non-judgmental program with information on sexuality. Honestly, can somebody when I was a kid, if I recall, because I went to public school up until eighth grade. Sex ed was being taught then. And that was that was like over 10 years ago. <clears throat> has it, it been was, that long? No, it wasn't a lie. I said, has it been that long? No, it was, it was over 10 years. Oh. That's not a lie. That's entirely accurate. It was indeed over 10 years. Is it anywhere close to accurate? No, no, it's not. But speaking of accuracy in the Bible, because I'm actually bringing it up, if you have ever read something in the Bible where you go, uh-oh, it's being pointed out by the atheists that that's actually a mistake because they didn't say exactly what literally happened. I, I had this opportunity the uh, just the other day. I know somebody who is 13 months older than I am. and I, And I simply said, this person is a year older. I don't think anybody would go, Oh, he's lying. Just lying. He's not a year older, 13 months older. If it was 70 minutes, about an hour. Oh, it wasn't exactly 70. The Bible speaks the way that we speak. We don't accuse others of that kind of nonsense. We shouldn't do it with the Bible. Back to our story. The summer before ninth grade, my daughter announced she was transgender. Post-announcement, she began to threaten suicide sinking into a deep depression. Christians are blamed for that. I think that we need to remind the world, uh-uh, because there are plenty of people now who feel the liberty to change their gender, if such a thing were possible, and they're suicidal and depressed. They tend to walk hand in hand. And people who are this depressed, thinking that if I just mutilate my body, then I'll be happy, 
It's not Christian's faults because we say um, that's just wrong thinking. That's sinful thinking. There's hope for you in Christ. Back to our article. I immersed myself in reading everything on the issue. This is what she did. Talking to other parents and other professionals. I worked unceasingly to recreate the bond she and I used to share. Good stuff, Mom. After a year and a half, my daughter is finally returning to her authentic self, a beautiful, artsy, kind and loving daughter. I'm not sure what the actual ingredients for or the magic potion were for alleviating gender dysphoria. The formula will vary, but what I did was, after a very brief misstep of using a male name, our family and all of the adults in my child's life only used her birth name and corresponding pronouns. Ah, they didn't abide by living under the deception. We did not permit social transition, although we could not control the school setting. Unbelievably, here's a fun note. Our local Catholic high school refused to follow our edict. Yeah, it's great. We pulled the plug on all social media and our access to anyone other than those persons we vetted. I forced my daughter to listen to specific podcasts on the subject while driving her to school. I printed out stories about female detransitioners and left them throughout the house. I left all my research out in plain view, including irreversible damage, the transgender craze seducing our daughters by Abigail Schreier, gender dysphoria, therapeutic model for working with children by Susan Evans and other books. In other words, mom wasn't passive. Finally, this I let her know that I would never stop fighting for her. I let her see my posters from the protests I attended. I peppered her with questions that demonstrated the illogic of the gender ideology. I happened to have funny gender critical memes on my computer when she walked into my office. Just so happened. Oh, look at that, dear. You looking at my computer? Most importantly, I held my ground. I refused to accept her delusion. Here's an important prepositional phrase with compassion. And for this woman, took a year and a half. Mom, dad, if you're confronted with these things, I would encourage biblical counseling. They can help your child. They can help you. And they can help you help your child. There is hope for these kids. Mom and dad, find your power in the word of God. Persist. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't buy into the ideologies. Don't acquiesce. Simply do what we're commanded to do as parents and in every arena of life. Speak the truth in love. There is much hope for your child. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.